So I think I dug my heels into the crude life just about a year ago. Like when the market started going absolutely haywire in 2020, I started just looking for commentary that was interesting and grounded and especially uh, commentary that was that was based in the Bakken. And mm. there is no one better <laughs> than the crude life. You have the monopoly on that as far as I'm concerned. What kinds of other certain topics that interest you maybe more than others when you're listening to oil and gas? Oh my gosh. Well, I, you know what's interesting is when you first enter this industry, and I came in as a complete newbie, I was telling you guys before we started recording, I'm a music major. Like, what? How did you yeah. open oil and gas as a music major? Um, <laughs> I'm really upset you're not going to beatbox for uh, me, but maybe <laughs> some other today. time. Not today. Well, uh, the 11 Lounge, May 14th, 7.30 p.m. I'll be playing. <laughs> but um, when you come into the industry, you think everybody knows everything. It's kind of like when you're a little kid and you assume the adults in the room. It's very intimidating. It's absolutely intimidating. And so you're afraid to ask questions. You think, oh, like, you know, if I don't know what this term means, I'm a complete idiot and this person isn't going to want to talk to me. Um, but, but yeah, so I, you, you come to realize very quickly, though, that everybody has their own silo. Um, and the more complete picture you have, especially if you're working in the compliance industry as I am, um, the, the better equipped you are to speak different languages and translate across those quote unquote cultures within the industry. So um, while I'm interested in topics like ESG, um, which you know is compliance adjacent, <laughs> there's a big kerfuffle. I know you guys have done a series <laughs> on ESG recently. I really am interested in everything. I was just talking to a frack engineer over there, uh, Monty Bessler, whom you just interviewed. He's one of my, one of my favorite people in the Bakken. Um, so literally anything a person will, will, will tell me about oil and gas, I will absorb it. I'm like a sponge. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I love your passion for the industry. And how, how long have you been in the industry? I've been in the industry five, six years. I lose track, actually. What got you, <laughs> what got you started into the oil and gas oh, industry? It's, it's such a weird story, and I don't know how, <laughs> how long of a version I should tell you. But the, the, uh, the short version is that my brother studied abroad in Thailand in, uh, in undergrad. And what was her uh, name? Uh, the name of this person? No, the broad. The broad? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh. Studied abroad. Abroad. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot Jason's crude, crude, no pun intended, sense of humor. Um, <laughs> so he was studying abroad in Thailand with this uh, gentleman who was from Williston, started a company in the Bakken. Um, and I didn't have any concern about this at the time, but this person became a family friend and was, was really uh, near and dear to our hearts. Like I said, I'm a music major. What does a music major need to do when they graduate college? They're touring. They're producing music. You know, I'm investing in my own career, doing what I need to do to make it, uh, quote unquote, as a singer. And um, it really, really helps if you have a, a remote job to subsidize that. <laughs> to make a little money to pay yeah, the to rent. to make a little bit of money to pay the rent and pay for the records that you're producing. Mm -hmm. um, pay for all of the, the, the social media, con the press, like everything that you need to um, pay for in order to have a sustainable career. So um, I was actually working a different remote job fresh out of college. Lost it because I was a little bit too sassy. <laughs> I can't tell. I can't tell. That. Yeah. Um, and I, I call up my friend, this family friend, frantically, and I'm like, Oh my God, do you have anything that could help hold me over at this period of time um, where I don't have a job? I, I, I'm imagining my world crashing, having to be a barista, having to to work at a department store, um, which you know disables essentially puts on hold my entire music career. Uh, and it, lo and behold, somebody had left that week 
that very week in a compliance position at his company. So I don't have a clue about this industry. I had done a little bit of editing work, you know, on, on SOPs or like he'd, he'd given me a bit of reading material and editing work prior to that. But other than that, I, I didn't know what I was doing. But within three months, I took a department that was in the red and made it not only in the green, but one of the most profitable departments in the company, not to toot my own horn. <laughs> no, but I fit sometimes a fresh perspective. A fresh or perspective. Absolutely. Yes. And I just fell in love with it. And I started to see this is compliance is not just a bunch of boxes that you're checking. It's a story. It's a relationship between the supplier on the one hand, these small companies that make the Williston Basin tick and the large producers that are funding all of that and making life as we know it possible. Um, so I fell in love with that story and started to see, oh my God, there's so many things that people aren't seeing about this storyline. And by stepping back as a complete newcomer, a music, a freaking music major, <laughs> um, I would like to think that I, I brought something really new to the compliance industry. So I ended up starting my own company later down the line, um, but I could not be more grateful that I was given that random accidental intro to the industry years ago i got a question for you we got to rewind a little bit be yeah. kind rewind you mentioned silos mm. that was a trigger word for me oh, as yeah? in like oh somebody's speaking my language but then i realized i don't know if we're speaking the same language so what's a silo to you in that context what's a silo to me in that context yeah uh, well you talked about how industry had silos mm -hmm. yeah absolutely so if somebody is working upstream they mm -hmm. might know nothing about midstream and they might know nothing about downstream. <laughs> I love is, this. Sean I love this. No, this is yes. very important yeah. conversation. I'd love to hear somebody mm -hmm. else talk about this. And not only that, you can zoom in oh, a little bit Oh, just wait. It's going to get even. better. <laughs> so even if even if you're you're in the upstream side, you could be a welder, or you could be providing insulation, or you could be roustabout, or you could be hotshot, and you might know nothing about what those other guys are doing, even though you're all technically upstream. You know, so that um, that. Uh, that super hyper zoomed in perspective I find can be really really crippling for service providers especially when they're trying to, to communicate to producers their value because they don't know the context of their own value and that's one thing that I really try to bring to the table for the small contractors that I serve yeah or the arm of the energy chain that they support yes and yeah but they, but they could be supporting it on a wider scale yeah but like you said exactly. they put themselves in a corner mm -hmm. and they only cater to a certain part of that yep. stream and it's right if we want to make an analogy to music here it's like oh yeah i know how to drum super super well look at me i'm a fantastic drummer blah 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 but if i don't know how to play you know in time with the bass and i don't know what that drumming is supposed to sound like in context with the singer and i'm drumming too loud i mean i'm not doing my job so service providers are doing themselves a great disservice by not taking the time to step back, learn more about where they're fitting into the supply chain and really help the producers solve their problems better. So what I believe is happening right now, and the other host, when it's not Sean Forbes, Sterling. Sterling's never worked a day in oil and gas. He grew up in Saudi Arabia, in Dahran, which is an oil and gas compound. So imagine like a crew camp but they've got golf courses and schools, and but it's still a razor wire fence around the entire oh my gosh. city. So it's like a company town, but it's... There's, there's the, four of them in Saudi oh Arabia God. because there's so much oil Whoa. and gas activity that these companies literally own the town. Literally. Meaning there's a grocery store there, but Saudi Ramco, which is the largest oil and gas company in the nation, mm -hmm. used to be Ramco and used to be Standard Oil, right? Mm -hmm. They employ the grocery store workers. They employ the greenskeeper at the golf course. They employ the teachers, okay? 
So if you're a teacher and you're teaching in Saudi Arabia, you're actually employed by an oil and gas oh company. You're not employed yeah. by an education system, yep. okay? So he that's what he grew up in, right? I don't even know where the heck I was whole, going with this. Whole story. What what he talks about is building silos. Mm. What he thinks right now is happening in the oil and gas industry is that they're building silos. Meaning they're purposely building an insulation so they will not have to go talk to others mm. we talked about uh mike summers with api earlier yep he's here at the conference we've asked him to come on the show we've had others ask him to come on the show okay people of influence not just the crude life people of real influence asking hey, right you have re- real influence you're now hired you're on our <laughs> staff okay happy. um happy to be hired but it, I found You're out talking today. about the energy world. In energy general. world. So right. what I found out today was that there were several people that had lunch and specifically mentioned the crude life in my name and said, you have to interview with mm-hmm. him. And he won't come on because he does not want to talk about climate tax is what I was told. Yeah, I'm not surprised. The biggest tax on the planet, and no one was talking about yeah. it, right? That is a silo. That is an example of where if your a industry is not silo. talking about it, yeah. you're building your own silo. So I, I found, that's why I just wanted, we've yeah. been talking about silos a lot yeah. lately. And so you brought that word in. So mm-hmm. just for the, our audience, well, I wanted to make sure that, yeah. you know, we defined it. So It's interesting that you brought that up because, I mean, so that, that um, the API American Petroleum Institute, yes, yes. of course. So they they uh, released that press release just what a day or two or a week. Oh, I'll that, give you the timeline. That Department of Interior meeting. So oh, that I don't know. Uh, what I do know is that they released it, mm-hmm. and then it was seven to ten days later they came back and endorsed it. Okay. So it was less than a week of conversation yeah. because it was on a Friday yeah. when they so released it. I, I have no idea what's going on behind the scenes at API, but what was, re- what was really interesting to me is I was in that Department of the Interior meeting about the federal leasing ban. And uh, now we're getting, you know, a little bit off track from compliance. But it is, well, I mean, fine. this is our industry. It's related. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, the, the DOI meeting started with everybody naming their pronouns and, <laughs> and apologizing for at least one minute about exactly which tribe uh, whose land they were occupying. It was a very interesting. Like, I, I've That's never. strange. I've never that seen very somebody. Awkward. Yes, I've never seen somebody use their time that way in a, in a mm, federal government know. meeting. I guess I'll, I'll put it that way. I spent a little bit of time yesterday clarifying the chairman remark I made. Cause, oh, yeah? Well, we have Chairman Ken Hall. But he's chairman of Missouri River Resources, which is a private mm. company. He was offended when I said Chairman Hall because his cousin, Tex Hall, is the chairman of the MHA nation. Yes. And for a Native American, chairman is the nation, not a private uh, company. Yes. And so I actually had to take a little time out of the show to kind of clarify that and respect. apologize. Yeah. yeah, I didn't need to, but, yeah. you know, just to educate and make awareness. He was and very gracious about he his was, correction. He was gracious. I actually brought it up on the right. air because oh, most good. most people wouldn't even. Yeah, do that. I'm so yeah. glad. Yeah, that was very respectful of you. Uh, I, um, I, you know what? I I fall flat on my face every day a hundred times and offend a hundred people. Oh so gosh. I don't mind talking. But you got it. You got to yeah. own it. Every time That's you make right. a mistake, ninety nine. Everybody, ninety nine times. One time you get it right. I did good today. All right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Even a broken clock is right twice yeah. a day. That's mm-hmm. right. So anyway, once is good for that's me. That's right. <laughs> 
at that meeting anyway, after the pronouns and after the, the indigenous people apologies, they brought on all sorts of experts from different arenas to weigh in on this federal leasing uh, ban that they were discussing. And they brought the indigenous peoples up, a very interesting conversation, different perspectives, not, uh, not at all a monolith, by the way. These tribes are not all, you know, anti-oil and gas, as you might think. There was a, a woman from Alaska. Oh, who no. Just, we we oh talked about yeah. the mixed emotions it's with so the mixed. tribal. It is so mixed. To paint yes. it as, as one uh, uniform story is a, is a total disservice to, to what these tribes are actually uh, doing and thinking and needing. But anyway, API came on as one of the experts, I believe, or as somebody who was uh, API adjacent at least. And it was very interesting to me that that DOI meeting was happening right after that standard was released by them, this carbon carbon tax. And I, I felt like it was them, the, it was API maybe throwing them a bone in advance of this meeting to say, hey, 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 don't hurt us. We're at least trying. So that's how I read it. I know the indus industry has digested it in a few different ways. And I again, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but I do know I was in that DOI meeting and they, they played that like a card politically. How do you feel about that from a compliance perspective? That's interesting to me. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's politics, right? Yeah. That's I'm why it's interesting to me. <laughs> you are more of a political than I, perhaps. I. I don't want to be, but unfortunately, I, I worked in it for 20 years. So, I, 25 years, I've worked in government affairs. Oh my gosh. So I do know how it works, and That's what I'm seeing is it's it's nauseating. It's nauseating, yeah, right? It and candidly, I I would rather stay away from that arena for now. And from a compliance perspective, for your question. I, um, not to say that I'm in a reactive rather than a proactive mode because that's not the case, but right now I'm really focused on that relationship between the producer and the supplier. What the government is doing, the government is going to do. I can't take care of every problem at once. I have no magic wand. So I've, I've adopted that as my domain and maybe someday I'll get in those arenas of, of political power. But I, th I feel like there, you're super aware though of what's going on in the political world I mean, I so that if you have to shift or mm -hmm. like realign what it is that you're doing for companies you would be prepared I would try to be yeah, yeah but uh, but uh, I don't know I, I really believe in humility and knowing your lane uh, all the time I see companies out here saying yes to every possible thing they could be do you know they have an MSA for hotshot but then the their, their producer asks them oh can well, can you do this can you do that and they say yes 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 and they don't know if they have the capacity to do that <laughs> so I'm the person who would rather stay you know squarely over my skis if the opportunity arises to move into politics in some way to, to help uh, influence from up there then then so be it but right now um, my priority is is healing that relationship kind of being a marriage counselor <laughs> between the, the producers and the well, you're a bridge. You're uh, a yes, bridge. a bridge. That's a much better way to put it. Thanks, yeah. Sean. So <laughs> let's, let's She'd be a very good politician. Oh, You'd be very good at it. Yes. Yeah, you would. Oh, my gosh. And no one has ever told me that. No. Yeah. Well, let's I'll talk at that. I don't, I don't know if you'd be a lifetime one because I don't think that you would No last. one should be a lifetime politician. Well, no. It, it changes people. You know, everybody go. It's like teaching. You go in. You're all... You're going to change the world, you're going to change yeah. kids, and then they just beat you down, and then you just become part of the administration <laughs> and everything else. So it yeah. happens in politics all the time, too, but I love your energy. So. I Thanks, say, Jason. I can tell. Yeah. Your energy and your passion and your spirit is just electrifying. Very oh difficult God. to fake yeah. passion. Very difficult to fake passion. Right. I agree with that. Mm -hmm. I agree yeah. with that. And All right. What was your question? Yeah, Sorry, Sean. I was going to say, Good. let's talk about specifically what it is that you do for okay. companies. Yes. Because compliance is broad. Term. It's so, so broad. Let's be specific. It's so broad. And so do listeners know about your background at all? Mine? Yes. 
Have we talked about my background? I think we I think have. we did once or twice, <laughs> you know, but once that was like in the beginning. Ago. Yes. yes. In the beginning, yeah. So when when I met you in a bar Genesis. yesterday, Sean, <laughs> Chapter you, one. you described yourself as a former buyer. And at first that word threw me off because it's not a word that I hear super often. <laughs> but you... There's it, so many not, different words to describe what words, I do. And it depends who you're talking to, right? I thought of fashion, by I the way. I know. Literally, I, did, I thought I of fashion. Right I'm like, uh, okay. I mean, I guess like we could use some like FRs that are actually flattering to women. <laughs> <laughs> we can do that too. Hey, I'm, fle- I'm flexible. I'm flexible. I'm an ideologue. What can I say? Um, I, yes. So I when I, when I finally... What cued me into what you actually did as a buyer was when I described what I did and you actually knew what I did. Yeah. <laughs> so I work in supply chain, uh, which means that the people uh, in the, the producer and the, uh, the midstream companies who need vendors to, to provide all these services on the ground, they're looking for the best and the brightest. And they're evaluating these um, service providers using certain criteria. And they... <laughs> Jason is still laughing. I give him a cramp. Oh, he's stretching. Oh my god, he's stretching. <laughs> I'm not funny, so this is very flattering to me that I like got in a joke that actually landed. <laughs> he's multitasking. Um, so it, it's the same if you're hiring an employee, right? So Jason, if you were hiring like an intern or an employee at Crude Life, you would be like, "What's your resume?" We can no longer hire interns. We've been warned. You've been no, warned. I'm just kidding. <laughs> let me let me just you say set that. It up. I got to smack it down. Okay. Let me just say that. A buyer is probably a very low-level mm. description of what it is that I do. So I could say I'm a procurement manager, I'm a supply mm-hmm. chain manager, I purchase things, I source things. There's yeah. a lot of different ways to describe what I do, but right. a lot of people relate to buyer. Interesting. Like, like I buy things, it's I buy an services, yeah. I buy, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, it is. It's not it's, one it's kind of, I don't want to say it's demeaning because not a buyer has a a role in this mm-hmm. world right but 100% buyer procurement supply chain they all mean different things and those really you know, granted like the word procurement is so esoteric uh, excuse me esoteric I've been drinking too much vodka waters over here wow um, you said esoteric esoteric <laughs> boy you can certainly fit in here at the crude life with esoteric energy <laughs> that's right esoteric energy um, so I get why you would choose that over pre- procurement certainly um, but it's not a it's not a word that I hear often on the ground um but anyway, yeah, so you know as a buyer, you are looking for the best vendors because you don't want to hire this crane operator who kills a guy on the job and you're like, uh, like I didn't realize he would do that. And uh, by the way, does he have the insurance to cover the damage or that he just did? Safety score. What's his, what's his safety rating? score? What's so his What's his EMR? EMR? What's an EMR? I don't know. <laughs> so, like, if you're, if you're, that was my question, by the way. What is an EMR? <laughs> I, I've never heard that. So there, I oh my god, it's alphabet soup in the safety world. In the oil and gas world. In oil and gas. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Total recordable incident rate. EMR. You can't even be called the greatest in the world anymore. You're called a goat. You're the greatest of all time. Yes. You're a goat. Nobody. Well, it's laziness. We're going, it's laziness. It's one syllable. We're goat going back the greatest to greatest of all time. Five Egyptian syllables. times. Mm-hmm. We're going back to emojis oh on the wall hieroglyphics. as hieroglyphics. Yes. And the GOAT, which is known as an acronym. Mm-hmm. I understand it is an acronym. I understand that. But that's how lazy we're getting. Oh my God. When I was a kid, <laughs> tropical snow was called trop snow. <laughs> we took away some syllables, man. Nice and easy. Trop snow. Oh 
So anyway, now it's that's where we're at. Go that's on. where we're at. Yes, and the safety world is no different. We abbreviate everything. The goal is to make things as confusing as possible. So even though we quote unquote care about safety, we're just like spinning the spinning uh, the minds. Well, I think out we get so far into our own little deep dark silos, mm-hmm. like you. Well, guys that's by like design. Call it. No, no, no a- acronyms you, you are by you design. You forget about. Mm. Yeah. The actual the meaning, meaning of the word. Right? George yeah. Carlin, the great George Carlin, the prophet George Carlin, also known as a comedian. He does a great bit on language. And he, t- he starts with the word shell-shocked. Back in World War I, it was a, it was a disorder that when uh, somebody in combat gets too stressed, their brain kind of shuts down. It's known as shell-shock, mm-hmm. right? Well, then he goes through the different combat fatigue, operational over, all these different things. And he goes through the syllables and the acronyms to where it gets to PTSD. It started out as shell shock, and it went through eight evolutions. And mm-hmm. he goes through and he talks about how a little di- more difficult to say. Wow. Shell shock, nice and easy. And then he goes, what does he call it? Uh, battle, battlefield fatigue. It almost like, sounds like something you do at the end of the day. Right. After it, you know? And mm-hmm. he goes through this and he goes, you know... If they would have called it shell shock, those veterans probably would have got help in the day. But PTSD makes it sound sterile. Yeah, makes it sterile. sound yeah. And so, that's really safety's a yeah. k- kind of their their strategy. In the fact, they don't want people to overfreak. They don't yeah. want people to freak out. Oh, because nobody likes the safety guy. You no. stiffen up when you're on site, and the, oh, the safety no. guy's here. Oh, oh, but like. Think about yeah. the world we live in where we live in a competitive world of freak out now. Mm-hmm. Just look at, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to get political, but just take a look at like masks and the sanitation. Look at how far people have gone to where they do like bubble seating outdoors and all these different things. Yeah. That, that is a competition of freaking out in yeah. my opinion. So I believe that that's, that's a lot of the safety yeah. industry is to kind of squelch those calms yeah. and those fears. Anyways. But, but what that's doing is creating a world where contractor A, who's kick-ass, looks exactly the same on paper as contractor B, who just cut a guy's arm off last week. Because I promise you, you could kill a guy on site, and I could paper it over if I wanted to in a way that would, would make it go away. Yeah, that is but so I, I would never, I would fucking, ne- I, I don't know if you swear on the show. <laughs> oh, no. No, you I, do. I, I, I don't, but you can. <laughs> I would never paper that over. But there are Fuck people. Yeah. There, <laughs> there are people in the compliance world who would. I just and felt I had to. <laughs> I got Jason to let loose. What's up, guys? <laughs> um, so yeah, and, but that makes it. Think about what that does to the buyer, to the the Sean or like the former Sean of the world. Well, that's only one aspect of uh, an analysis for awarding a job mm-hmm. to a company. Right, is looking at your safety scores, your safety programs, but there's six other factors that mm-hmm. I consider too. It's like, what does your what, pricing so look like? What yeah, is what your are the factors that you consider? I wonder. What does your price look like? What is your level of service? Do you have great customer service? What is the reliability of your equipment? How old is it? Mm-hmm. Is it going to break down? Or are you going to cause me to have standby charges? And then that creates a domino effect with other trades yep. that are waiting in line on the job site to do that job. Um, what is your lead time mm-hmm. how far is your shop from my location oh how my much yes. money am i going to have to pay for logistics you know what i mean so there's several factors and safety is a number one obviously always um but it's not the only factor it's that i look at one. you know yeah. but so i'm really interested in like am i getting crew a your a team am i getting your b team yeah. am i getting your c team because a b team and a c team is going to cost me more money absolutely and but uh, but the a team or excuse me which one is the A team? I forget. <laughs> I'm forgetting now. The best crew. That's uh, the, Mr. T. 
the A-team. Uh, okay. Mr. T has <laughs> the A-team. Murdoch. Yeah. Mr. Van, the I'm, whole deal. Sorry. Oh my gosh, I'm getting caught up in the acronyms and the letters now. I'm confusing myself. That's it's okay. Great. I'm stuck at Webster um, and A Team yeah. and different strokes. So go on. A lot of Gary people, Coleman. Sorry. A lot of people stop at the pricing question, though. Yeah. Oh and yeah. producer all producers are always saying like, oh, like pricing isn't the only thing we consider. Best value. But, yeah. So there's best value. There's landed cost, and there's mm. total cost of ownership. Those are the That's three so well said. things that. You have to consider, and I always talk to suppliers and I say, there are factors that we take into consideration when we award a bid. Um, and I can't speak for all supply chain people. Of course not. The culture um, is so different. Because it depends on, on who you are and who's mm-hmm. making the award decision. Because yep. people always ask me, Sean, what are people looking for when they make an award decision? And I go, I don't know. It depends on who's making the decision. Yep, 1,000%. If it's an engineer... He's thinking about different things. If it's the drilling superintendent, he's thinking about Mm -hmm. different things. Some guys only care about cost. I care about all of them. Yeah, and shouldn't it be collaborative? It should be collaborative. And safety is is certainly one element of it. But contractors who are listening right now are going to think, yeah, my ISN and PEC, Veriforce scorecards, might say one thing. And that seems to be all that, you know, this producer I'm working with cares about. And so I, the the ISN-PEC puzzle is something that I, I hack for contractors um, but of course the ultimate goal is to change that culture at the top and those producers who are calling the shots and saying okay contractors you got to play by this game I want to change the actual game and say okay producers let's look at what's actually bringing you value and what insights you actually need um, to, to choose the best vendors because right now you, you've set well, up a you set up a game but the game is kind of rigged and the contractors all know oh, it. it's terrible you know? because they they try to do a one-size-fits-all mm-hmm. you know and it's you can't do that because you have different companies who provide different services that have different levels 1, of risk thousand percent yes right? so you exactly. can't just say we have one standard MSA yep. and one insurance requirement bucket and you have to fit into all of that. Mm-hmm. And you have you know, some small businesses like you talk about that are like, wow, these insurance requirements are gonna be so expensive yes. for me. And I, I maybe haul equipment, yes. you know? So you're not dealing with pr- pressure pumping, you're not dealing yep. with pressure vessels or high risk um, operations. But yet you're held to the same standard Somehow, as some of these other yep, companies. Exactly. So that's, Sean, I'm happy you brought that up because that's a big part of what I do. Like some of what I do is the boring, uh, like the, the rote admin work just to take that off contractor's plate. And then another part of what I do is educate them on the, the stuff that they actually need to please the operators and be safe and follow OSHA, federal guidelines and so forth. But another piece of it is that negotiation because... Right. There are times where a two-person company who does, like, rentals or something right. is being asked to get a $10 million umbrella policy. Right. They didn't even know it was in their MSA because they didn't read it, and they didn't send it to me to, to check it and out before they signed it. they're not ready for because they don't have the right insurance exactly. requirements. Exactly. And now they have to run back to their broker, who, oh, by the way, isn't very good and has, like, a Gmail address. Or as his they can go back to the doing. producer and ask for a waiver. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yes. The, you the, can the get waiver. A waiver. Yes. So they don't know that, but I know that. Right. And I say, okay, okay, all right. Billy, Billy, what, Billy's well done. I'm welding. still laughing at the Gmail address. That's, <laughs> that's, I'm just thinking like Hotmail is how I used to it's make It's literally, of it's not even fiction, Jason. <laughs> no, I believe you, but it's just so funny. It is you said so that. funny. So, like, they're trusting their, their risk mitigation, their insurance to somebody who doesn't even have a proper company. It's so bizarre. Yes. Um, well, they're a broker, right? Yes, so, as a broker. Yeah. Which, by the way, I have a partnership with a broker who is astounding and, and 
and offers a ton of like legitimate partnership let's problem solve so please reach out to me if you want more information it's about not, that is it at but hotmail.com <laughs> hotmail yeah, I love that label it's not gmail it's hotmail it's <laughs> so much better <laughs> That so means I, it's been around for a while. Yes. Right? I like getting ones from AOL. Those AOL. are my favorite. I my love brother, My brother still has an AOL. Oh my and my mom. And my mom. Because yes. I know people with AOLs and they all sit in the, sa- in the same little category, man. I love it. I Ching. love it. You got mail. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. One of the things I did want to bring up was um, I've had probably four or five. I'll even say six. Why not? We're rounding up. It's late. Um <laughs> Talk about the safety buzzwords. That's mm-hmm. what they said. They go, we do all the safety buzzwords. Like that, they're they're tired of it. Having to brag that we're this certified and yep. this certified because everybody is now. Yep. So it's like college degrees. Everybody the next, has one. What's the next yeah. step? The next step is actually being good at what you do. <laughs> okay. So this, what's the real next step? The real- <laughs> Well, so, okay, hold on. Let's <laughs> st- take it back a step. If you're per- doing well, providing forward. if you're if you're providing certain services like let's say welding, you mm-hmm. have to have certain credentials. Yes. There is be, a baseline. There is a yeah. baseline mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. certifications like you mentioned. But yes, there are others probably that are fluff. Right, mm-hmm. but there are. I imagine are there new ones? Now, I don't know if this ESG is like a new certification it that gives be. you the platinum. I think it is it too. It will be. It's I be promise you, it's going to be a bureaucratic nightmare. I agree. And I'm going to be here for it, and I'm going to help people through it. But God, I'm not looking forward to it. Is there anything like that that is here now? I don't know. I imagine Colorado's got some. I imagine uh, North Dakota's got some with emissions. Texas mm-hmm. is going through that right now with with emissions. So well, no. So if you if you read a company's MSA, which is a Master Service Agreement. It talks about environmental health and safety requirements. Mm-hmm. And some of those environmental requirements discuss the proper disposal mm-hmm. of trash and driving on roads with respect to the community and things. So it's something that's already been embedded l- legally, right? Sign yeah. this contract. You agree to abide by all of these rules. To be able to work for us mm-hmm. as it's a company, very, it's very loose yeah. though, and so it is. But yeah, it's the, also the producer leaves it open ended, so they can change and adapt yeah, and improve. But it's like even kind of like yeah. s- I don't want to say smallly. Is that a word? Smallly. smallly? <laughs> I, think, I think it is a mighty ducks. Smallly. You're killing me, smalls. <laughs> <laughs> um, companies have been compliant, right, and environmental and community standards and things like that forever, mm-hmm. but now it's being standardized and highlighted yeah, well I, I on, think a bi- on a billboard yeah it's like what are you doing so yeah. i'm thinking of what your f- former co-worker at whiting said ashley mcnamee who's now with wilson and alvarez alvarez and wilson i apologize she's doing esg certification mm-hmm. for oh companies. this is the the i think i mentioned her ashley um, yes, yes that was one of my favorite episodes oh honestly not gonna lie oh. and it, it gave me a new perspective look at on you ESG. calling it an episode <laughs> i call it an interview oh that just melted oh, my heart okay happy to melt your heart anytime. so what she talked about was that and i agree with her because we talked about this before the interview oil and gas companies have been esg for years yes. long yes. before yes. the environmental movement mm-hmm. came all mm-hmm. they got to do is tell the story. Yes, That's telling the all story. all they have to do. Yeah. But, there's a big but here. Baby got back Sir Mix-a-Glit, Sir Mix-a-Lot <laughs> butt, right? <laughs> what we've got going on here is, and we talked with Blue Halsey from Continental Resources mm-hmm. about this, because I wanted somebody of his prominence to be able to tell the story. 
there's a lot of PTSD, getting back to that, post-traumatic stress disorder oh, totally. for the industry. And I compare it to a restaurant. When I worked in the restaurant industry, we were told if, if a patron goes to your restaurant 10 times with a perfect meal, they might tell one person when they're done. Yeah. If they go there one time and have one bad meal, mm-hmm. they'll tell three people, and those three people will tell three people, and those three, and it keeps going. Bad news spreads fast. I think that's a little bit of what the oil and gas industry is mm-hmm. going through right now is that when you're a king of the economy like they've been, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're one of the kings, okay? They get picked on all the time, and yeah. everybody's going, frivolous lawsuits, let's go after yeah. the money. Easy, low-hanging fruit, go pick on them. I think that's their biggest obstacle is actually having the courage mm-hmm. to step out and say, no, we're damn good. Yeah, we're we're going to tell Yeah, we're yep. going to talk about this. I don't know how to get them to open mm-hmm. up, but they are slowly, so it is getting better. Yes. But I, I do think that is the biggest thing is that they've been just kind of held accountable on such minuscule things mm-hmm. that don't even matter in the big picture. Yeah. Maybe they do, but it's just not even a huge thing. Yeah, some of them do, some of them don't. But it gets blown up like yep. it's the biggest thing. Yeah, because, I mean, everybody likes the underdog, right? And as soon as you come out on top, all eyes are on you and all the criticism is there. And that's how markets should work, right? We need to criticize uh, companies and, and, and hold them accountable for responsible decision-making. Accountability. But that standard of what is responsible and what is not cannot be this bureaucratic, tangled nightmare that it, it has become. And I really... What was her name from Whiting? Ashley McNamee. Ashley. Yes, I loved how she put that, the language of like telling your story. You're already doing these things. And that's what I tell my people in compliance. I'm like, we talked you about know this earlier. you're a safe company. Yes, you're yes. already doing things. You know you're a safe company. Let's prove it. And if we have to add some documentation what to that, it. What does that text say that I wrote to Sterling, the co-host? Oh, that's funny. What does that yeah. say? There's something about an underdog that inspires the unexceptional. <laughs> <laughs> Found that funny. <laughs> a little fortune cookie. There we go. For you. Well, the unexceptional <laughs> yeah. always likes the underdog. And mm. as somebody who's always loved the underdog, it related yeah. to me for yeah. some sick reason. But well, the anyway. underdog makes a good story, right? Yeah. And candidly, that's what I'm trying to do with these service providers. Like, okay, you're a three-person company, mm-hmm. but I know you're kick-ass. You're better than that person who's getting all the business. So let's tell your story. Let's piece your your, your mm-hmm. safety stats. And let's. it's not fudging the paperwork. It's communicating the truth. We never, I will never lie about what a company does in order to make them look good to a producer. I, if you ask me a question that I'm supposed to say yes to, but they don't, they can't say yes to it honestly, I'll let's say get no. Them there. No, but yeah. let's get them but there. But let's get them there if we need to. Because if I say yes, you're going to get audited. Somebody's going to find out, and that's not a good look. <laughs> so the reason I showed that to you, that was show prep, by the way. Oh, yeah? That was me sending Sterling some show prep mm. about what we are talking about because right now, Everybody is either feeling or they're viewed as unaccept or you know the, the what was that word I used to unexceptional unexceptional I love that word. unexceptional because they're telling everybody whether you're an essential worker or not. Mm-hmm. So if you're not an accept, essential worker, you're thinking, well, what am I then? What am I? Well, what I'm trying to tell the oil and gas industry right now is there is a ton of people that consider themselves underdogs right now. So if you come out. As the underdog, you're going to connect with everybody. So it was a very short window, I believe, for the oil and gas industry to strike on this. And that's why I texted it to them, because I do think we're in that time right now where the oil and gas industry, if they do tell their story about how they're doing and helping people, that's going to connect more than ever. Yeah, it's funny, telling the story... uh 
Do you know Mayor Patrick out of Midland? I do not. Mayor Patrick, you need to interview him on the crew line. I would love to. Oh my gosh, he's phenomenal. You know how a lot of uh, people, as they get high up in politics or in companies, it's like they're what they're communicating is the summary of the summary of the summary, and it's this weird, like fluffy PR, like yeah, yeah, we're doing great here over at like you know, sales incorporated or whatever it is we're doing. And you know that it's not the truth. It's not what's really going on. They're not communicating the challenges. The cheerleaders. They're, they're just yeah. trying to cheerlead. Mm -hmm. Mayor Patrick out of Midland. Oh my gosh. He presented, um, uh, I'm part of the base. Talking about Percy? Excuse me? Percy Patrick, is that his name? His first I name is Percy, Mayor Percy. So. Okay. Is that right? Uh, no, um, I think it's Patrick something. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to be embarrassed. Go ahead, keep talking. Go ahead, keep yeah, talking. look it up. Oh, yeah. Look it up. I saw him, the Permian Basin Pipeliners Association, mm. of which I'm a part, had him present at one of our meetings. I could not believe it. it was, I'm like, this is the guy I've been waiting for in the industry. What was he talking about? I don't even remember the topic, <laughs> Sean. But you felt like he was telling yes. the truth. He was telling the truth. He was like, here are our challenges. We have our work cut out for us. This is not a cakewalk. Patrick Payton. Peyton. Patrick Payton. Payton. That's what it is. Patrick so Payton. Mm -hmm. we, we're actually going to be interviewing Patrick Payton <gasps> down in Midland because oh, give of... give him my regards. He won't remember the, me at all. Well, he's, he's doing a march to Washington. <laughs> is he? Yeah. He's trying to lead a kind of a group to go to Washington on oil and gas behalf Whoa. with other okay. mayors and et cetera. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's why we were talking to him. And we're going to be down in the Permian yeah. in uh, June June, the week of uh, the ninth, ninth, tenth <laughs> is the Shell Energy Conference. Yeah, whatever, whatever that week of the ninth uh, is. Okay, uh, we're going to be down there, and he's going to be at the conference. No kidding. Yeah, he is. You're going to have to. You're going to have to come. I think I might be at a. Um, my aunt has a birthday party that weekend. Uh, sorry, oh, dear. I, sorry, and Judy. Bring sorry, the whole Judy. family down. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Well, I'll put it on my calendar, and we'll see. But you're you're going to have to connect with him. And one thing he said in that meeting, he's like, "Oil and gas is not good at singing our own song." And I immediately, you know, my ears perked up because I'm a music major and I'm a singer. And uh, 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 and coincidentally, I have a song called 5,000 Candles. It's not out yet. I shot a music video for it last year featuring some of my clients, actually. And it is not called that, is it? 5,000 Candles. Oh, you're, you're going to make the Parks and Rec joke, aren't you? <laughs> 5,000 Candles in the Wind. Thank you. All right. <laughs> yeah, I'm aware. But it, it refers to the flares, which, of course, we don't like flaring. But it, it sure is beautiful when you're flying in yes. to that, that Williston Basin Airport at night. And I remember that when I first came up here, I was so stunned and so confused by those beautiful flares at night. Um, so the song, you know, refers to the, the beauty, the natural beauty of the Williston Basin, as well as the, the beautiful faces of the people who make that entire economy tick. Um, like I said, the song isn't out, but <laughs> but I immediately emailed Mayor Patrick and I said, oh, my gosh, you have to like, like, what should I, <laughs> I have the song in the queue. How do I release it? And if anybody, you know, listening has a, has a, a good strategy for PR there, do email me and let me know. Mm -hmm. But I completely agree with you, Jason and Sean, that um, oil and gas needs to get better at singing its own song. Well, I said this earlier to Blue Holsey from mm -hmm. Continental. I said, mm. you know, oil and gas companies do a very poor job of talking about the good things that they do. Mm -hmm. You know, we're kind of behind the scenes and that's the way we like it because we care about the communities yes. that we're so fortunate to work in and we need to get better at professionally promoting our industry, mm -hmm. right? The opposition is doing it. I don't like us fighting the other energy folks, you know, energy, all energy has a place mm -hmm. in this world. If it makes sense. It's that all and of it's the above. Economical. Yeah. Yeah. It's all the above. And we, we experiment. We all we don't have to fight yes. each other. We mm -hmm. can all coexist and get along and f have conversations and talk about 
how we can all help each other yes. and be better, right? And, and not be better. Fight, yep. And not fight each mm-hmm. other. And, you know, I asked him, what is Continental doing that we may not know about or that we're not hearing about? And he talked about a lot of really cool things that they're doing. Oh, but it's such a good question. Like, yeah. yeah. And um, I totally agree. Like, mm-hmm. oil and gas companies do not take the credit for the good things that they do. Mm-hmm. What would you like to see oil and gas companies do? to help sing their song because mm-hmm. I'll be honest we've been spouting that message for 10 years now yeah. that you guys have a story that needs to be told and the leadership seems to go out and say we need to tell that story mm-hmm. but then nobody does Yeah, and this is, I, I'm serious it's been going on for at least five years I've been hearing this message that mm-hmm. we need to tell our story more and this and that you know whenever the rise of uh, the climate activism right around the Colorado time 2015 you know uh, is when when I started noticing a lot of it. Anyway, um, what what do you think they could do? Because I I I hear them saying it, mm-hmm. but I don't see them doing it. I see them spending the same money with the same people doing the same the thing. same thing. Yeah. Right? yeah, and so that's why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah. We're doing things really different mm-hmm. to where we actually get invited to parades, bar mitzvahs, yep. birthday I'm parties, sure schools, barbecues, uh, barbecues mm-hmm. and our name is the Crude Life. Yeah, we're not hiding what we do at all. We're not trying to be some sort of, you know, uh, passive aggressive thing. No, we're we're really honest in their face, yep. and, and it works. Because yep. it's authentic and honest. Mm-hmm. That's what I think the industry needs to do. Yeah, well, I, I, I love that. And I would add that it needs to do that in more arenas. So you mentioned, yeah. uh, well, we've been talking about music and pop culture this entire time. Why is oil and gas not in pop culture? <laughs> like, why are we letting them control the narrative? I'll give you another going? example. <laughs> yes, please do. We were going to, when the college football bowl games came, mm-hmm. we Sterling and I, doing the morning show, we were going to just do a segment on... Uh, Name the oil and gas companies that sponsored this bowl in what year. We're going to do trivia. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> We've never done trivia, but we're going to do it, Whoa. right? None and none. None <laughs> and none. I There might have been an Exxon in the late 80s. I, I think I remember that, but I can't even remember that, mm-hmm. honestly. There wasn't one, not one oil company that sponsored a college bowl game. That is the most safe sponsorship yeah. you can do to engage yourself with 50,000 people mm-hmm. on a regular basis that are not oil and gas industry yeah. people. But that that's an example for, for mm-hmm. th- that is one example that you can do to engage with people outside the industry. Yeah. In a town mm-hmm. that doesn't have oil and gas. I completely agree. Yeah. And I, now, I think that it's one thing to sponsor and slap your name onto another event or, you know, uh, uh, like, you know hitching your wagon to oh. something that's already running. Um, and I would add... Though that uh, people are a little bit, especially these young, um, uh, young people who love the underdog, they're skeptical of corporations in general. I've made you <laughs> traumatized on underdogs. Now I'm hey, sorry. Hey, no, no, no. I, I'm. It's it's whatever to me. I just know how a story works. Stories always start with the. I underdog. think this is a valuable perspective. Absolutely, it is. Ugh. Thank yes. you, Sean. Continue. Yeah. Sorry um, to interrupt. Yeah, so I, I think it's about more than sponsoring things. I think it's about getting into the nitty-gritty. You know, uh, there there are some people working on, and this isn't about conservative or liberal, but for example, there are some people who say there's not enough conservative rep- representation in movies, so we're going to start our own media company. We're going to do this thing. I'm not saying oil and gas needs to start a movie company, <laughs> but why is it not engaged in film? Like, why is it, why is it letting itself get... 
uh, completely steamrolled mm-hmm. any time that like that that children's book that you just held up Harry, Harry the, the Dirty, Dirty Dog, Dog. Yeah, that's when yes. it all started why, why is there is there no counter narrative to that <laughs> why are there no musicians <laughs> oh god don't forget that the oil pack social is at the Ramcota at 7pm Wait, is this it's a social? Wait, it's out. funny that you say that because Wait, where are the people? There are some oil and gas companies <laughs> no, that, that do make commercials. Okay, mm. so in Colorado, PDC is a big producer, and I see commercials from them all the time. And I'm thinking, oh, this is fantastic, right? Like they're putting it out in the community that they are actually producing oil and gas, but their commercials are so blanketed, mm-hmm. I guess, and almost covering up what it is that they do. Yep. And so they say things like, we're energizing people's lives. It's so vague. They don't don't humanize. But how? But how? Like, what are you doing? And let's talk about it specifically so that people know Mm -hmm. and understand and Mm -hmm. care. Yeah. Did you know that all the food that you eat is grown with fertilizer that's made from natural grass? (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) Who knows that? Did you know that the varnish on your table, every medical device and pill that you take i mean mm-hmm. it's, it's all oil and gas and i don't hear anybody talking about that in the pop cu- pop culture arena but it's i think it's more than commercials uh, i think they just relate it to gasoline to be honest like sure. i don't think they yes. think about they literally just think transport what that's petroleum it. products do mm-hmm. for our lives yeah yeah and so i i, I don't think even think they think that anymore you don't no i think they just think smokestack spills hold on there's a there was a BP, pipeline you know that BP, yeah. got cyber attacked this week yeah by the way i'm gonna make a prediction that is not the last i, I think that's not. gonna be a serious issue oh, yeah. I mean, the next from the year co- from i totally believe that yeah. the more i've been thinking about that the yeah. more mm-hmm. i i did not like that go on sorry and do you know what a freak out that is for those people up there, it's they're in it line to get gas. It's kind of like the toilet paper, mm-hmm. you know, we, co- we, COVID. We now live in a world where you can draw a fist of spray paint on a pipeline in Colorado and shut down the grid for a day, okay? You can Suspicion. also have a, a cyber attack that does nothing, but just the fact that there was a cyber attack can shut the grid down too. Those are two very disturbing uh, examples of cyber spray paint. Well, let really? me tell you. So I, I, I watch wow. HLN headline news in the morning because I think it's more fun than, you know, H-L-N. listening to headline, headline news. news? Okay. Yeah. And it's a CNN-based uh, okay. TV show. Who does not give me all the news I need, but go on. Who does not? Which I kind of like the fact that <laughs> That's it's not, slogan. you know, depressing news. No, CNN does a very good job of uh, presenting a very neutral they yeah. uh, s- sometimes. Oh my god, I would How- totally disagree. <laughs> However, compared to the other two. However, uh, yeah, in, in comparison. Sometimes. No, in right. comparison they do. It's However, this morning they were talking about this pipeline getting shut down and mm-hmm. the fact that the people in the northeast or north or wherever this pipeline goes, they, they weren't going to get their gas and their fuel and people were lining up at gas stations and filling up gas tanks and talking about how devastating this is going to be if people can't get to work or they can't drive their kids to school and so I hope like this is always the hope right that people appreciate the industry because at this point without it they have to realize how important it yeah, is in their lives how much they need it. Mm-hmm. but they don't but and they I don't. don't get it yeah I don't get it either and I think this is where 
the oil and gas industry has to stop somehow we'll be the villain yeah somehow we're, we're gonna be the we're villain always end up being the villain you know price get, like whatever it is like but Big bad I think, wolf. so i think we have to stop guessing at what is going to change people's hearts and minds and and you know frankly open their minds to the truth in, in many of these areas not to say oil and gas is flawless because we're 100 not <laughs> my whole job exists because we're not flawless but um but I think this is where consumer psychology really has to come into play. And instead of just throwing dollars at sponsorships or throwing dollars at commercials or, you know, running this campaign or that campaign, slapping our logo on this, like we have to, to understand what words are triggering the public um, to be against us. We have to learn, you know, what, what actually is the path forward to, to um, get people's ear in a meaningful way because we know it's not <laughs> get it, we know it's not what we're currently doing so I, I would love to see some consumer psychologist studies that are actually like researching not just like a, a small focus group but researching in a scientific way what the best way to get our message out is because we've been just throwing consumer stuff on the analytics wall. consumer Let's an figure it out none of it is sticking we're just throwing stuff at the wall and um, we can keep doing that all day but honestly like there <laughs> There's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way. And time is short. Like, the, the public is not for us right now. And if we don't act swiftly to, to dial into what's actually going to be a, a sustainable solution, I don't know how we're going to make it through this. Alma, we still haven't talked specifically about what you do. Oh, for my God. companies. <laughs> I go. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> um, Compliance. Compli- yeah. So I mentioned ISN and PEC. We, we can wrap this up pretty soon. I know we're. we're uh, coming up on a, show, a social here in a few minutes that we need to get to. But ISN and PEC, th- those might be acronyms that your listeners are familiar with. That's a starting point. So I often meet a, co- a contractor who is at their wit's end with compliance because their ISN account is showing up, you know, uh, you don't have this or that, and your score is bad with You're the F. You're an F. You're an F grade. You're a red grade. <laughs> or Everybody not ready for hire. Re- or yeah. red, yes. So a lot of, uh, that's maybe the, the doorway to, to signal to them that they need some help on compliance. And then, you know, we can go into these broader discussions that we've been talking about and the, the people side of it. But really, um, I, do pe- I do help people hack that scorecard as it is you know um if specifically specifically getting making sure they get the proper insurance yes that they're contractually obligated yes there's training documents there are acknowledgement forms there are questionnaire items about your company culture and your company procedures for this thing for that thing and some producers care about certain things some of them don't so my company we have an index of every single operator in the play and um it's constantly changing it's dynamic you know Producer X compares a, uh, cares a lot about the training documents. Producer Y audits all of their contractors every three years, so we got to get ready for that. Producer Z, um, you know, they have massive insurance requirements, so that's something to look out for. So I help contractors navigate that specific environment as it comes up. Maybe an ISN and PEC, maybe you know more. Uh, casually or DIY than that and then I I help negotiate and um, change things where they need to be changed and um, shoot what was I thinking I I was gonna say ISN is ISNet World World. and PEC is PEC Premier and these are Mm -hmm. all contractor compliance software software yes I'm sorry I didn't even go that's okay (laughs) no so it's uh, you know producers set a or midstream companies let's not mm-hmm. forget about those guys because they're very important to the value chain this isn't even limited to oil and gas <laughs> like, not limited. like georgia pacific they make paper right so <laughs> they any, have an any company that has yeah. an is net world requirements mm-hmm. to fulfill to get them ready for hire yeah. or at least a passing grade right yeah. so they have um all of these 
different requirements. Like you said, every company is different. Mm -hmm. Every single company has different requirements. So, Mm -hmm. you know, unfortunately, you're a very small business and you're like, how do I figure out how to do all this paperwork yeah. so that I can go to work. Yeah, for, for this these client guys. who's in front of me or plan yeah. ahead for the next year for this person I want to work for three years or one year down right. the line. If they give you an opportunity to be onboarded. Yes. Because onboarding a company, I'm going to talk from the oh, yeah. from a supply chain or a procurement person perspective. Yeah. So I would get phone calls from companies saying, how do I get an MSA with your company? And I would say, well, you don't. Unless you've been awarded work or you're a candidate for doing work or we're going to hire you or something because onboarding a company takes a lot of Mm -hmm. time and time is money. And so we don't just onboard. You don't just put somebody on your vendors list. Yeah. No, because now you have attorneys involved and especially Mm -hmm. if you have to negotiate the terms of the master service agreement and get that certificate of insurance that's creating work for the insurance company. It's creating exactly. work for attorneys. It's creating yeah. work for a lot of different people. And so you just don't mm-hmm. onboard companies to onboard them for no reason. Yeah. For no reason. And so, yeah, as much as we'd like to be in the queue, so it's nice to have you on the sidelines ready to go. Okay. I like to think I'm in the middle, but well, no, <laughs> you you're know? no, you're on the sideline saying when you're ready for some help, I'm here mm-hmm. and we'll get you there quick. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, because the last thing you because want... Because they stress so hard about... They really do. Like, how am I going to get compliant mm-hmm. when they're yep. awarding me work in a week? In like, a how week, can we fast-track all of this stuff? That's literally the turnover. Like, yeah. I will get calls at, like, 10 p.m. on a Tuesday. Like, oh, my God, we have a job for so-and-so. And I just realized we're not connected to them in ISNet world. What do I need to do? And I'm like, well, I'm sorry. That person's actually... We got to do this, this, that. We got to know this like company wants 80 other. pages of procedures. Pa- it's, it's nuts. <laughs> and you cannot do that overnight. And so what we really pride ourselves in at Cook Compliance is... Um, helping them plan down the road so they know that they want work with Hess or Conoco or you know Kinder Morgan and we're like well if that's what you want then let's get your house in order sooner rather than later so that you don't have 50 guys like trying to get on site in down in Texas unable to go on site because you didn't have XYZ certification how can people get a hold of you Hello at cookcompliance.co. And what's your Gmail address? My Gmail address. <laughs> that secretly is a Gmail address. Oh, uh, by the way, we should. I should mention we are shutting down the conference. So we are officially like the last, like last people here. Guy right here. I see him. Yeah. I'm going to add my it's phone. the janitor. What are you talking about? No. <laughs> <laughs> Don't call NDSC the janitor. We love those guys. Um, so anyway, I, how can people get in yes, touch with you? Yeah. So hello at cookcompliance.co or 608-320-4345. My name is Alma Cook. And I'm happy to talk to anybody. I absolutely love hello instead of info or what I do. (laughs) I have hello at ogdirectory.com. Twins. twins. I love that. Okay, great. It's way more inviting. Totally is. info at, Mm -hmm. because you know when I see an info at, you know what I immediately think? That email is not going to be seen by anyone. It's going into a black hole. Yep. That's exactly right. And and more importantly, though, it's something different. Mm -hmm. And people are looking for something different because everybody's trying to just coast off of the same old, same old, and now that everybody's caught up in the same, same, you know, acronyms, if you will, people are looking for things different. So kudos to you and good luck and feel free to lean on us anytime. Thanks, Jason. Big fan. Hope to see you guys again sometime. Loved having you on. Thank you.